Hello and welcome into another episode of the Rail Yard Dogs podcast series. My name is Mitch Stewart, and joining me here today is a six foot two goalie from Columbus, Ohio, in his third season with Roanoke, wearing number thirty, playing some of the best hockey he's played as a professional. It's Henry Dill. Henry, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Well, we're gonna jump right into it here, Henry. You've been in Roanoke for a few years now. What has kept you coming back to Roanoke to keep playing for the dogs? Mostly it's the guys on the team. You know, all, playing with your with your best friends makes it a lot easier. Um, definitely knowing uh, Brems for longer than, uh, than a year or two helps too. Just having a coach you like playing for. And, yeah, that's the reason I want to keep coming back to Roanoke. I love the city as well, but the, the team, the fan base, and the coach are the, are the three big reasons I came back. You mentioned kind of growing a, a bit of an attachment to the city of Roanoke. What are some of your favorite places to go and visit when you're away from the rink? And and please don't just say McAllister's Deli because yeah. I know that's top of the list. I'll leave McAllister's off there because that's a, that's a gimme. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I love going to the Star as uh, cliche as it is. It's just such a beautiful view, you know, that you don't get anywhere else really. You know, show me another city Roanoke size where you can go up not even a mile away and look up and see, you know, for 25 miles and see the whole city and where it sits in the valley and stuff. Um, and then restaurants, I've been going to Jack Brown's more. I'm a big burger guy. Those are really good. I'm trying to think. I need to throw out another restaurant there. I like Martin's. Martin's has good vibes too. So those are my two restaurants, the star, and I need to, I need to get some more hiking in. I need to go to McAfee's Knob. That's on the list right now. Oh, yeah. Plenty of good hiking around here. And I'll say as someone who grew up here, you named two very good restaurants. I, Martin's you, Martin's has good food, but you like don't that, always it's go. It's the ambiance about yeah. those places, you know. <laughs> They're just like holes in the wall sort of vibes. I like that. Yeah, Jack Brown's, that's been a go-to of mine for, for a while now. I wanted to touch a little bit on just how you kind of got into the position where you were growing up in Ohio. Kind of how did you get your start into hockey and what led you to moving between the pipes to play goaltender? I think in mini mites, I played one year forward. I don't know how old that is, like six, seven, something like that. And then we had like a community set of goalie pads and kind of everybody just rotated, rotated through. And I don't even think I did too well in the tournament that I played. I think we lost, but I don't know if I like liked it or if I looked good or something. My dad was like, do you want to keep doing it? And I was like, he wouldn't ask me if I wanted to keep doing it, if he thought I did bad or if I did bad. Um, and that's how I decided. I really didn't put a lot of thought in it, and I kind of just pulled the trigger. Made the transition. Well, I guess every now and then you might want to just jump back out and play forward. We'll switch oh, the path for you. But I coach enough in the summers with, uh, you know, with just some skates and a track suit on, so I feel like a player enough then. That's enough for me. You get your shooting practice in there exactly. just in case. <laughs> yep. Well, you played for UMass starting out in college, and then you ended up transferring to Utica in upstate New York, and that's where you ended up graduating from. I'm curious to just kind of hear more about your college experience, what your major was, and maybe some of your plans for once you do eventually hang up the skates. Um, so in college, two years at UMass, I, I immediately started majoring in communication and then I transferred to Utica, lost a couple credits in the process, but still stuck with the communications degree. Um, I kind of want to do something in radio. I always said that, uh, you know, in college and when I do 
you know, class projects on, you'd have to do something on a future job you want to do. It'd be like a broadcaster, a color analyst or something. But now that I've gotten older, I don't know what I want to do. My dad is in insurance, so I was thinking about at least starting with that. Um, selling insurance, never a bad thing. Kind of make your own schedule um, and do that. And he kind of knows the ropes and could help me. So there's that. There's coaching, which I've already been doing for the past two years. Besides that, I don't know. I'm still just uh, flying by the seat of my pants, waiting for something to pop out at me. I feel like I just like uncovered this hidden gym. I had no clue when you were out for almost two months on injured reserve that I had my golden number my number two my color yeah. commentator that I've been waiting for all season he was sitting right there in front of me and I, I could have done it. it I know all the guys names really well you know I know their numbers so I could just pick them out like that and dissect some video if you wanted me to but yeah my mind I would have uh I would have suggested that but my mind was not thinking about that at the time you know I did ask Josh uh Josh did it all when he was on the injured reserve list and he gave me an immediate Nope, I'd get suspended, and I'm not even playing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was maybe a little worried about his yeah. filter. Yeah, that, that <laughs> sometimes we have a problem with that, of course. So, how did you end up spending the COVID season last year? So, COVID year, I started my own sort of coaching company, entity, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was coaching every single day, basically, besides Saturday, Sunday. Some Saturdays and Sundays. Um but, you know, private lessons every single day. And then as the, you know, the minor hockey, double A, single A, triple A started up again in Columbus uh, near September, I was visiting practices and doing goalie skates there every day. So, I mean, I was just coaching however I could. I started an Instagram for my coaching uh, company, HD Elite Goaltending. It's on Instagram. You hit the plug. And Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> little plug there. Um, but it has lots of cool videos, like just drills, basically, for goalies. And if you're a goalie out there and you're kind of stumped on what to work on, skating drills, you know, shooting drills that help the goalie and not just turn them into a, a shooting dummy, uh, check out my Instagram for sure. But um, I did merchandise as well, you know, hoodies, shirts, shorts, stuff like that. Um, I kind of entered a new world, so to speak. It's like I'd never kind of done that thing i'd never coached or even worked like a regular job sort of every day and then to have people be like hey do you have hoodies and stuff like that and to get like a little bit of a following it was cool it was really cool and to still have that following and people texting me you know every week that i coach like hey coach how are you um just checking in one of the one family sent me mcallister's gift card so that was amazing bump them to the top of the list well i think it's pretty cool you were talking about you know one of your first kind of maybe real life jobs, uh, kind of as like a venture out into the business and, world, and you're your own boss. I mean, exactly, that's, that's a amazing. sweet way to do it. It was amazing. Yeah, I learned I learned a lot just about scheduling and time management. And I lived a little bit. I lived almost an hour from the rink, so it's like I had to leave early and just kind of plan out my day. If I had to go to one rink one day, I'd have to give myself you know an hour in between to drive there, and it definitely helped me kind of get my. Uh, P's and Q's crossed. Well, speaking of coaching and speaking of the big boss, you've now played under head coach Dan Bremner for three seasons. How would you describe his personality and his approach with the team as the coach of the Rail Yard Dogs? Uh, intense, 
and he wants us to be prepared. And I think at this level of hockey, you need a coach that um, that is going to stay on you. You know, that is going to be fiery and intense, and kind of bring the energy when it's not there. And he definitely does that. Uh, when when we aren't going, he comes in and lets us know, and it helps us get going. So it's definitely a, a good tool to have his uh, his personality in there. Now you and Austin Rodebush and Josh Dindall are all living together this year. What are some of the things that you guys like to do when you're at home away from the arena? Uh, we play a lot of video games. Um, they like to play NHL. I'm not a big sports video game guy. More, I play a lot of Warzone, uh, Assassin's Creed, and what else? Maybe some Fallout or Battlefield or something like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of video games, especially these pa- this past week here with all the snow. It's kind of been a video game marathon. I've been trying to watch some movies, catching up on shows like The Righteous Gemstones. Um, but away from the TV, we actually cook a lot. And when one of us cooks, you know, we go like, hey, you want some? We cook for everybody and make it a, a family meal. Um, we go out to eat together. I mean, whatever's on the agenda, like, we'll just go, like, somebody will have to go to Walmart, and we'll be like, I'll go, and just kind of tag along, and that's kind of the um, the connection that we all have, but yeah, it's a, it's a good house to live in, for sure, good energy. I remember talking to Tommy Picorni earlier in the season, and that was, like, one of the first things that, when we got to start talking about roommates, he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, we're not that great at cooking, he goes, but the three guys that are living over there, like... Henry Austin and Josh is like I hear that they cook up some good food. Who's the best cook you think out of the three of you? Um, I mean we're all pretty good, maybe in our own sort of realm. I uh, I've been cooking a lot of chicken and sweet potatoes recently, and I've gotten pretty good at it. So um, Austin and Josh do a good job with breakfast, and then when it comes to dinner, I like to, you know, spice it up a little bit. That's good. It's yeah. like you almost drew it up like that. Exactly. You, know, you guys take care of this. I'll take care of this yeah. right here, and we can have Perfect. a good little mix. <laughs> well, it seems like you know everyone on the team is kind of really jiving together, but I wanted to dive a bit deeper into you and Austin um, as the two goaltenders on the team. It seems like you all have a very supportive relationship as friends um, and teammates, but you also kind of have that competitive edge because you've both been playing so well this year and you know obviously you want to be out on the ice as as much as you can be it it gives Dan Bremner one of the toughest problems I think in hockey and that's which goalie do I start when they're both playing well how would you kind of describe that relationship that you have with Austin and do you think that there's an advantage that comes with having that kind of you know many daily competitive uh balance between you two where you're both just pushing each other to get better yeah, I mean, Austin's an amazing person um, and a great teammate, no matter what. I mean, it, we went through a, a time there where he was playing every single game, and it was just, I mean, it's it's it sucks, but it's not hard. It's like be a good teammate, you know, and support them no matter what. Like, we, we play a long season. You're going to get your time. And uh, I was just working hard and literally preparing every day like I was going to play a game that day. But, yeah, the, the competitive edge, it's... It's definitely there, but it's all, you know, smiles between Austin and I. But, I mean, we've been goalies for a long time. We know that every day we need to battle in order to have a spot no matter where we are. So um, that's kind of where that kind of takes over the, the competitive edge. And, uh, yeah, we're good buddies. Well, one of the reasons I feel like that 
he kind of had that really long stretch in net was that you were obviously not available. There was nearly two months that you spent on the injured reserve list, and that was after the COVID year that kind of kept everyone off the ice as well. What was that period of time like for you when you weren't be weren't able to be out there with your teammates on the ice? It was tough. You know, I'm still practicing and still in the locker room and still having a good time with everybody, but to to not be in the, in the lineup or, or on the bench or anything like that for a long period of time, it, it just weighs on you. And rather than get negative about it, I let it uh, – you know, just upset me a little bit and let let it fuel my fire. And that's exactly what it did. So well, that fire has been red hot recently since you've been back onto the ice. It, it seems like you've taken your play to an entirely different level. The team has won all four games that you started since your return in mid-December. Is there anything different that can kind of provide some context to your performance of late? Or do you think it's just more a case of the process coming to fruition for you? Uh, I think as I kind of stepped in the net whenever that was against Evansville, we were playing good hockey and scoring goals. And it makes it easier as a goalie when your team's playing in front of you really well and, and scoring, you know, like we need to score goals to win. And they've been doing that. And that allows me to kind of just focus on my job, right? Um, it's nice to get a, the first goal every once in a while, you know. And they've been doing that. Uh, it, it takes a lot of pressure off me and just lets me play my game. Well, the team had a bit of a slower start to the year than they may have wanted, but you guys never panicked. It seems like everyone around the locker room was like, you know, once you get that first win, it's going to start rolling. And in the past seven or eight weeks, there haven't been many better teams, if any, really, in the SPHL. How would you describe the current confidence level and the belief level around the locker room between the guys? I think guys have an uneven amount of confidence in their talent and in their preparation. You know, we go into every weekend, like, no matter what, we're playing – you know, the best team in the league. This weekend it happens to actually be the number one team in the league, but we go into to every weekend like we're ready to go to war and uh, and battle for each other. So that's kind of the dynamic there that helps us uh, helps us do that. You talked a little bit about going to Huntsville and playing the first place Havoc this weekend. Roanoke has earned points in all three meetings between them and the Havoc this year and put a pretty good beatdown on them on New Year's Eve. I imagine that they'll probably have that pretty fresh in their memory when you guys meet up this weekend for the two-game road series. You haven't personally had the chance to be a net against the Havoc this year. What have you noticed kind of in watching those games earlier on in the season and scouting this week that you're trying to focus on for this weekend? Well, they all got heavy shots, and, uh, you know, my job is to take those shots from the outside and stop the first shot every single time. So, um, I mean, personally, I'd rather have a team that everybody can rip the puck super hard. Um, you know, you get on those uh, in those games where, where guys are shooting the puck and they don't know where it's going or they're whiffing on it or whatever. I'd rather have a guy that can rip it. I know where it's going. I can read it, right? So I'm just telling myself, be ready for heavy shots. Be ready for possibly some poor refing, um, especially away. Um, but, I mean, we're always ready for that. We're always prepared. So I'm ready to go. Well, you recently just jumped into fourth place in franchise history for goaltender wins for the Rail Yard Dogs. I wanted to know maybe what was your favorite win or favorite moment since you've been a part of this Roanoke franchise? Three years ago, my first year here, my first game in quad. It was my first game as a dog. We won 3-2. I always remember that one. It's kind of packed in Quad City and just a fun arena to play in. It's really nice there. My whole family was there, so that was really cool. 
I mean, any of the the last four have been a lot of fun to be a part of. You know, I love being pe- beating Peoria. I think that was my first time beating Peoria, so that one jumps out a little bit. But, um, yeah, those two, those two for sure stick out in my head. Well, I imagine it's always fun to win, and you guys have been doing that a whole lot recently. I want to kind of leave it open to you here at the end. Is there anything else that is kind of on your mind that we didn't cover or any last message that you might have for the Dogs fans that are listening into this episode? No, not much. Just keep coming to support us. We uh, we appreciate it more than anything, you know, after a big goal or a big hit or fight. You know, after the, the nerves die down a little bit, the – you can start to hear the crowd noise just pumping in and it's so loud and it's just like I can feel the energy just like pulsing through me. So, I mean, just keep it up to the fan base. We love it and uh, we appreciate everything. A good place, I think, to leave it off. Henry, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me, Mitch. I had a good time. Yeah, thank you, man. Well, this weekend, Henry and the Rail Yard Dogs are going to be heading to Huntsville, a Friday and Saturday series with both games dropping the puck at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be 7 o'clock local time there at Probst Arena. You can hear that on the Haley Toyota Rail Yard Dogs Hockey Network on Mixler, and then the Rail Yard Dogs will be back home next on Thursday, January 27th, against the Macon Mayhem, 7.05 p.m. at Berkland Center. Make sure that you call the Dogs ticket office or check the website for more information on how you can get tickets, whether it's group tickets, single game tickets, or family four packs. And stay tuned for the 2022-23 season ticket ordering season to open up soon. Kind of crazy that we're already approaching that season on the horizon. The way that this team is playing, you'll definitely want to join Henry, myself, and the rest of the dogs for a game at Berglund Center this season. So don't wait. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. 